So yesterday or yesternight we looked at the life of Saul and uh, we said that we had so much insights from his life. Today we are going to look at uh, the lessons from David. Uh, perhaps quickly comparing it with the life of, of Saul that we may uh, gain a hand of understanding. But one thing, brethren, as we open, that you will realize, even before I say anything, is that David uh, was a different breed of a man. If there are two characters in the Bible that bless my heart a lot, one of them is David and, 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 and Paul in the New Testament. They bless my heart a lot. Like, for example, Paul, one day Paul is beaten um, I think it was in Antioch or Iconium. They beat him and I think Barnabas to death. And actually they went and dumped him in the dustbin, thinking that he was dead. And I think at a certain point at night, they touched each other and said, hey, my brother, are you still alive? So like, yes. And they woke up with all their wounds and moved on and left the city. And went to preach elsewhere. And I, get, and I think the, the wounds got healed. And the Bible says, when you read further, a while later, the same two characters come back to the same city to preach. And I'm thinking, who does that? <laughs> they beat you to death and you come back to preach. Brethren, I'm telling you, even, even right now, with my mentality, I don't think I'll dare do that. That man blesses my heart, Paul. And then one day, Paul... With, I think with the same Barnabas, went to a certain city. I can't remember it, the name. I think it should be the same Athens, uh, Antioch. And they were sitting at the back in a synagogue. And the pastor, whoever was, did what he could do and said, brethren, if you have got anything that you can say to the church, come and encourage them. And this man stood up and gave a testimony of the word of God from Moses. In, actually, the Bible says in simplicity. Showing from scripture that Christ is Lord. And the Bible says, and the next Sabbath, the entire town was at the synagogue. Hallelujah. Brother, when you preach the word of God, the town will come here. It will come. In simplicity. So those are the two kind of guys that bless my heart. Second one is David. David blesses my heart. And the way David is introduced to us, the Lord doesn't give us the name. The Lord brings the flock of, of Saul down and he raises David without telling us a name. Hello? And he tells Samuel, do not mourn for Saul. For I have sought myself a faithful servant and I have commanded him to lead my people. Okay. Now the question, brethren, is that at what point did the Lord tell David that he will be the king? And by this time when the Lord is telling Moses, is telling uh, Samuel that he has anointed someone, David is a young boy like my girls here, who are seated here, looking after sheep. In other words, the Lord went and commanded David when he was a young man looking after sheep, and I don't know what he told him. Let me, let me speculate. Have you heard people saying 
that I knew that child is, going to, is destined for great things. Have you heard people say in their spirits that I knew I won't be a normal man? Have you heard that? Brothers and sisters, you need to begin having that testimony in your spirit. If you haven't started. I believe that's how God commanded David. David realized that I'm not like my brothers. That inside me something is boiling in me. I am going to bear a child that is unique. Hello? And so, David began doing things differently. And my brother, when David's ushered on the stage, he is ready. What am I saying? I'm saying that experience can be private. For those who are young here, I'll give you a personal testimony. I told you one day, one time here, that there's a time I thought Nairobi had rejected me. Okay. I suffered in this Nairobi. Every con man conned me. Every problem passed by my door. People tarmac with the degrees, but I, I overtarmacked. My shoes went haywire to the south. Until people in my village heard about my shoes. One day I went home in the village, and someone came and looked at my shoe. I'm not kidding, it's a true story. My cousin came and looked at my shoe and said, Brother Mulongo, we've been hearing about your shoe, but your shoe is good. I asked him, what about my shoe? He told me that we have heard that your shoe is like a wembe, which was true. But of course, when I went home, I had a different pair of shoes. But I had huge troubles. But one thing, brethren, is that I never wasted time. In my private moments, I will say, the day someone would make a mistake and hire me, one day a man would make a mistake and hire me, they will know that Mulongo's son has arrived. And someone made a mistake on Kindaruma Road here and hired me. After many years of tamaking, I had a permanent job. Within two years, I had done what they wanted me to do in 10 years. And so I went and told my boss, Sir, it's my time to leave. This is a brother. He cried tears and said, I knew you won't stay longer here. You are too big for us. And this man said, can I pray for you? I, have, I remember the, the prayers to death. That man right now is the Africa director. He loves me. And brothers, brothers and sisters, because of that experience I accumulated in those years, I have never left an employer with dry eyes. Every time I've left my employer, they have always cried. Hello? Because of that experience I accumulated. People accumulate experience on the job. I accumulated experience in my house, in my cousin's house. I asked questions. I read scripture. I watched movies. I, I, I saw things. And I saw how lazy people are. And I said, when I get a job, I can't be like that man. I learned how to treat bosses without being a bootlicker, but being forthright and understanding the DNA. I gathered experience. And so we see David, as David is introduced in the house of Saul, the Bible says, and, and Saul loved him. The man was so experienced in playing the, the guitar and, and war. Where did he learn the war? Where did David learn the war? And within no time, Saul had promoted him to be captains over hundreds. From the bush. 
So experience can be private. Gather enough when you have the time. Amen? No, that was not the sermon. That was a curtain raiser. Munabariki was you? My wife was asking me, she asked me yesterday, she was unable to come today, she was not feeling very well. She told me, uh, so how was it when I went home? I told her, well, I don't know whether they got blessed, but I got blessed myself. So sometimes, <laughs> even if the church is not getting blessed, you encourage yourself in the Lord and you go home right faster. <laughs> yeah. So, yesterday we learned how Saul had a problem with anger. And we said that anger can prevent you from being profitable in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we gave examples how Saul's anger was manifested. He was a leader with a problem of anger. One day he wanted to kill his son because the son has given permission to his friend to go and his parents. And he called him so bad names and wanted to kill him. How can a father be such callous that you want to kill your son because of giving permission to his friend to go home? So Saul had a problem with anger. And brethren, it's not an easy thing. It's something that we have to deal with it every day, me, me included. I have seen embarrassing things from the church because of anger. I'll give you a little testimony. 2001, a pastor friend of mine sends me abroad. I mean, Arusha here. The first time for me to go abroad. He wanted to establish a business. He was a pastor and also a businessman. So he told me, asked me, I want to send you to Arusha to conduct a market survey. And when you arrive in Arusha, a brother will meet you, a dear brother. You will stay with him. Are you following? He got me the passport and all that. My first time out of the country. Fresh from the university, actually. And I went to Arusha. And this brother meets me, comes to pick me in a land cruiser. The Lord blessed this man with material wealth. The man is rich. His children were schooling here in Makini. And so, picks me up. We go to his house. I had a good time with him. I went to, did the work as had been asked to do. On Sunday, uh, we went to church. He's a, he's a worshiper of God. And on Monday, he decided, he says, okay, actually on Sunday afternoon, he tells me, uh, what if we want to take you around on a tour? Since your work is almost finished, we want to take you, go, we go see my mom in the village. This man comes from a place called Marangu on the slopes of Mount, Mount uh, Kilimanjaro, which is not very far from Arusha. So we drove to the village, arrived at around 6, uh, 6 p.m. 6 when, you know, sunset, around sunset. He had a palatial home in the village in the middle of nowhere with, with electricity and, you know. So we sat there. The wife went uh, to the kitchen to, pre to help prepare dinner. And so I sat in the living room with uh, his children, his sons, who were younger than me. We were watching TV. And all of a sudden, the wife comes from the kitchen to ask him to go meet a neighbor who had come to say hi to him or to talk to him. So this man, a brother, lives to go talk to the neighbor and leaves us watching TV. All of a sudden, I heard some commotion outside. My ear picked some kind of someone raising his voice, but I just ignored. A few minutes later, this brother of mine, 
a worship of God comes from outside in a terrible speed, shirtless, without a shirt, running to the bedroom. And the wife follows him screaming. So you're wondering, what's going on? So the wife is trying to hold on him. The man goes to the bedroom and comes out with a machete, a panga. I keep asking, how did he have a punk in the bedroom in the first place? <laughs> Comes out with a panga and makes it for the door. And the wife follows him and grabs him. And they fall on the floor. The wife screaming and biting at him. And the man kicks the wife, gets loose, and dashes out. And we also followed. I, I was so confounded. I didn't know what was going on. And I heard commotion in the village. People screaming and going. You know, I'm a, I am a stranger in a strange man, in a strange place. So I was wondering, this man I'm walking with, is he a believer? <laughs> Long story short, this man comes back, panting, and tells me and his sons, in his, as he goes to the bedroom, says, one day I'm going to kill that man. One day I'm going to kill that man. I never forgot the look on his face. He's a dear brother. We do hold communion with him. <laughs> this spirit of anger, my brother, if you don't deal with it, it will prevent you from being profitable. It's a bad spirit. Every day, tame that thing. The Bible says, before the sun goes down, you tame it. Anyway, so a few days down, I tried to ask from the sons and the mother, but no one was giving me the information. So after the whole commotion, two days down, I went to the wife, who had become very good friend of my asker. Mama so-and-so, please tell me, what had that neighbor done to Papa so-and-so for him to be so enraged like that? The story she gave me was even more confounding. She told me it was a quarrel about some money. Apparently, the villager had come to claim money for the labor he had rendered, trimming, trimming the fence and digging the land. And so the neighbor says, you didn't pay me. Papa so-and-so says, I paid you. So there is a disagreement between whether he paid or he did not pay. And then I asked, how much was it? She told me how much it was. And this man is a rich man. I was shocked at the amount of money they were fighting over. You want to kill a neighbor because of that amount of money? The spirit of anger. Pastor, today it's a, we have a little more time. I can give more testimonies in life. I'm a, I'm a these things can only go home with some testimonies. Okay. Sister Doris, this one will be the last. I won't give another one. One day, ah, now it's actually remembered. My wife at that time, we were not dating. She had just lost her mother. And I, I knew her at the university. And so, uh, we went for the funeral. At that time, I was already working. I had a little, little car. And so I carried some young men who also knew her from Nairobi, went to Kitui for the funeral. And in our car, I had a dear pastor friend of mine. We went to the funeral. He was a kind of our mentor. His wife used to teach at Kilimanjaro on Kilimambogo TTC. So on our way back from the funeral, at about this kind of time, it had rained. We picked the wife from Kilimanjaro so that they come to their house in Nairobi. And so we had a good time, pick the wife. And along, before thicker, the wife made a call to the house girl. 
And I think the house girl had asked for permission to be away the next day, being a Sunday. And the wife, on the phone, I was driving, I had her give the maid, the house girl, permission to be away. And the husband didn't want that. I've never understood why he was getting into that line in the first place. So he told her, no, 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 no. You have made a mistake. She should not go and leave tomorrow. And they began quarreling in my car. Actually, no, the husband began quarreling the wife so bitterly. It was my first time to see such kind of, I've never seen it in my life, in my family, my father doing that. He was calling the wife names. We were young guys. This is our pastor, friend of ours. And he's calling her names. And we are trying, you know, we are so scared in the car. Certain point on thick, and it wasn't ending. Reaching thicker, I decided, no, I have had enough. I told this man, my brother, you and your wife, get out of my car. Get out of my car and go fight your wars on the street. And it was raining. The man held peace. But my point is, I learned one thing, that this anger is also in the believers. That men are walking in good ties, but they are carrying stuff. They're carrying anger. This anger stopped Saul from being profitable in the knowledge of Jesus Christ in his role as a king. But David is a different kind of man. Remember the Bible says that on top of faith add patience, add knowledge. From knowledge add brotherly kindness. From brotherly kindness add love. David had a kind of different heart. He had brotherly kindness. The man had a huge heart. I want to be like David. I want to be like that man. One day, as he's running away from his son, Absalom, a certain rich man called Barislai provides for him. You know the story, right? And David, when he became the king, never forgot but his lie. And he tells his son that ensure that the family of Bar's lie becomes one of those who eat on your table. He's going to the grave, an old man, but remembers many years ago. The man had a big heart. A man called Bar's lie fed me when I was running away from your brother. So make sure that this man, his family, are provided for in your kingdom. Let them eat on your table. I want to be like David. That I remember every kindness done to me. Generations and generations to come. I tell Sifa, please remember family so and so. Don't ever forsake them. I went with my village, uh, I went to my village with my wife last, December, uh, last, last year. And we went to see all those, all women, all women, many, many, many. We went around. And I told her, my wife, should I not be there? These people have visited. Don't forget them. Don't forget them. Those old women, don't forget them. They have made me who I am today. They fed me when I was young. They wiped my, my nose when it was running. They whipped me. Today I look back and I've got perspective of what they were doing. And so I go back and see them and tell my wife, don't forget these women. And when my daughter is old enough, I'll take her too. And tell her, do you see this woman, that old man, this home, this home, don't forget them. During Christmas season or whatever, come and share with them. When they're planning, call them, Mom, 
How are you? Have you plowed? Tell no. I'm going to buy you fertilizer. I'm going to send someone to plow for you. Don't forget those people. So David asks, is there anyone in the family of Saul that I may be kind to him? And they say, there's a lame guy. Good for nothing. He says, let him be among those who will be eating on my table. Getting royal stipend. And the man gets royal stipend. He's like his sons. Though he's good for nothing. He's given a table like the sons. Brethren, let's be like Saul. Let's be like David. Have a big heart. Have a heart that you... Someone told me that when you're a believer, you need to expand the size of your graveyard. Expand the size of your graveyard. If it's Langata, buy other plots adjacent to Langata. In that graveyard, you bury all offenses. Bury all offenses. Because you'll be offended, brother. In this church, it will offend you. Let me assure you. If you don't want offense, don't be a believer. Just accept to go to hell because here will offend you. <laughs> we will offend you. Some of you will just be offended because the way of our week, we wear our wigs, the way we dress. We will offend you. The Bible says that in the last days, offenses will come. And it says, and the faith of many shall wax cold. Be careful about offense. It will come. We have been promised. Someone says, out of nine people that come to your life, out of ten, nine will offend you. Ten out of nine. Nine out of ten, they will offend you. So brethren, if you are at number four, we have got five more to go. We will still offend you in this church. But brother and sister, grow up. We are preparing, grow up. Don't leave the church because of offense. Because you're going to cause more offense on the other side. Deal with it in here. Pastor, I'm not an apostle. Let me not go that direction. Okay. I'll leave that with the pastor. So, brethren, I want to tell you for now that I'm here on the pulpit, honestly speaking, in my life, I can tell you this. I wish my wife was here. In my life, I have got nothing against anyone. No one. I can assure you. My heart is like that. I, I, if, I, don't, I don't know. In my, I have got no problem with anyone in my life. I don't carry anyone in my heart. Zero. Zero. I've made it a decision. You hurt me, I move another step from you. I live where you are. I move on. And I will not carry that in my heart. If I could, come and tell you, you hurt me, brother, you offended me. And I move on. I've got no problem with people. There's no one I don't like. Why? There's no one I don't like in this earth. We're all brothers. Don't carry anyone in your heart. Forgive and move on. Hallelujah. I have digressed. I was supposed to be teaching. All right. Now, um, let's go back a bit of those guys I've mentioned. But it's a lie. So David is dying and calls his son Solomon and tells him, make sure that Barzillai and his family are those who eat on your table. And Solomon listens. And he brings one of Barzillai. Barzillai tells him, I am too old to go to, with you to Jerusalem. So take one of my sons. Go with a guy called, uh, it's called um, Chimham. I think we'll read that one later. Now that Chimham comes to Jerusalem with David. And remember Barzillai was a rich man, right? So he gives up one of the sons to go with David. 
uh, to go to David, and then when, when now uh, David becomes the king, Solomon makes that guy one of his friends. When you read many years down the line, after captivity in, in Jeremiah, you learn that that Chimcham guy, Chimham, is also as rich as his father. And he had bought land in Jerusalem. And he became so useful to the church, so to speak. Hello? That that man that Solomon had helped the family, even after captivity, they continued to prosper. And they were so useful to those who came back from captivity. My point is the people you help today, people you help today, will be of assistance to others, either to you or to the church. Another second point I learned from that, from that story is that, brethren, wherever the Lord takes you, plants you, if you are a believer, you will prosper. The son of Barzillai leaves his father's home, follows a stranger, and the guy buys the best real estate in Jerusalem, in Israel. And he prospers. And I keep challenging brothers and sisters that if you can't prosper in Kenya, you could not prosper in the U.S. This business about green card and all that, be careful. I like what um, our dear sister, Teresha Wairimo, has written a book called A Cactus in the Desert. I recommend you read it. I, like, I just like the title of the book. We are like cactus, we believers. If you uproot us from, from Nairobi and take us to Lodwa, we will prosper. We will prosper. We will grow. Because we are the seed of Abraham. The seed of Abraham cannot fail. So the sons of Barzillai could not fail. That brethren, that thing has liberated my life. I have always believed that wherever I go, I come with blessings. Everywhere I go and I work, I should, I'm always sometimes very full. I tell my boss, you know what? We are making progress because I am here. I'm always very open. And every city I have moved, I have worked, I have prospered. And how do you know that you have prospered? You look at the people who are being blessed around you. You see people being blessed around you. You see people in the church being blessed. As you have Bible study, you begin prophesying for people, they begin getting children. They begin coming into your house looking for you. Brethren, you know that you are prospering. Even in a place like central London where I, went, where I went to study, where it is, brethren, we need to pray for those guys, people in the West, where there is no, Christianity is very, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Even in London, brethren, I prospered. I was staying in a hostel as a student where people just sleep on Sunday up to 1 p.m. And I went around London and found Hillsong Church. And I began telling my roommates, one by one, my, my neighbors, let's go. To, I've seen something nice. Let's go. They're like, God, we are not religious. I'm like, you don't need to be religious. Let's just go. Brother, long story short, within three months, I was coming with a crowd. The whole church knew me. The, uh, the ushers knew me. Uh, uh, the security guy called James knew me. He had carved a place for us. He will be waiting for me. He knew this guy come. They come at the 10 o'clock service. They have a whole space for us. Because I'll be coming with a crowd. People from Germany, from whatever, from North America. 
black and white, and they'll be following me in talk. Brethren, that's when you learn that whatever you are, you are a blessing. When I left Dar es Salaam, the church came to our house, and my wife, and they brought us kanga, maleso, and they brought us gifts for our children, and they hugged us and prayed for us. And I realized, brethren, we had been a blessing in Dar es Salaam. So my point is, don't worry where you are. As long as you're the seed of Abraham, you don't have to be blessed in the U.S. Even if you here, brethren, you will prosper. All right. I think we have seen how David has done differently. He was a man with a big heart. He was kind-hearted to his brothers. Okay. And one of those that just really touched my heart is how we treated a guy called Shimai. You know, you know that story of Shimai. Shimai was a guy who was, um, he was of the tribe of Benjamin. In other words, he was um, in the same tribe like Saul who was pursuing to kill David. And David has become the king and one day his son decides to rise against him, Absalom. And David gets his wives and a few guys and begins running away from Jerusalem, from his son. And as they were going, they passed through where this guy called Shimei lives, who is a relative of Saul. And Shimei began cursing David. The Bible says he cursed David with a malicious curse. Remember, he's cursing a king. Hello? And that is not enough. This man, the Bible says, he took stones and began peddling the president. The king. I don't know how you are seeing that story. Brethren, if you don't see the depth of that story, one day when Uhuru is passing here in the convoy, <laughs> just throw a stone and then the next Sunday come give us a testimony. <laughs> we will wait for you. Don't even curse. This man was cursing. And he didn't just curse once. Actually, the Bible says, he followed David on the side of the hill, throwing stones, not one stone, stones and kicking dust. This was like a madman, causing dust. Actually, the Bible records that afterwards, David and these men were so tired that they say, let's rest here and refresh ourselves. This man has, you know, he has fatigued us. I'm to church Vumbi Namawe. We go this way, he goes the other side, throws stones. And a guy called Abishai, one of the generals, one of the best generals, tells David, please, sir, give me permission. I go lap off the head of this fella, of this dog. And David tells him, no, 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 no. Let him continue cursing. Perhaps after cursing, God shall have mercy on us. What kind of a heart is that? What kind of a heart is that? A man is, even me, I'm not a president, but throw, throw a sword at my car. But David says, Leave him alone. This is a president. And the wives are there. Perhaps when you throw a stone at me when I'm alone, I may forgive you. But when my wife is in the car, I may want to show that I'm a man. <laughs> and the man had a big heart. Hallelujah. He left him alone. <clears throat> okay. We are done with that point. The second point, the difference. That Saul was a vision killer and David was a giant maker. Remember we're looking at profitability? 
being profitable in the spirit. Let me show you something. Brother, if you can project for us 1 Samuel uh, 10, 26. Something very profound. 1 Samuel 10, 26. And Saul also went home to Kibia and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. It's after coronation. Saul has been made the king. He has been anointed by Samuel. And now, he has begun his kingship. And look what the Bible says. that And Saul went home after the coronation to Kibia, and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. In other words, as Saul was being given the kingship, some people who were so equipped, so valiant and strong, prominent men joined him. So he began his kingdom with strength. Hello? He had a good cabinet around him. He has begun a church with strong brothers and sisters. But brethren, a few years down the line, Saul dies in a battle and there is no one around him except a foreigner, a shepherd boy. All the valiant men were nowhere. They had dispersed. Saul had killed all the valiant men. They had become weak, weaklings. Because Saul didn't know how to nurture people. He was a vision killer. He was a people killer. Now let's see the difference. We have already talked about this one uh, in the past. Let's look at, at um, 1 Samuel uh, 22, uh, 1 to 2. 1 Samuel 22 from 1. Yeah, there we go. Now see. See how one inherits kingdom. The difference between one king, king and the other one. So this David. See the difference between David and Saul. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's household had it, they went down there to him. Right. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Let's stop there. 400 people, all of them had trouble. You are getting a church, and everyone who comes in that church is bereaved. Akona madeni, amepigwa nyumbani na mmewake. How do you build a kingdom with this kind of people? It's baggage, right? It's big baggage. In other words, they are coming to you for assistance, not to assist you. It's a big problem. Now, let's fast forward. Let's go to 2 Samuel, Second Samuel 23 from 8. Okay. 2 Samuel... Uh, Anyway, let's not read that. Let me, because of time. Uh, well, this portion of scripture, I want, I recommend that you go read it. The whole of it. Now, in this portion of scripture, the Bible is highlighting David, mighty man, and it comes on the heels of when David is dying. It says, "Now these were the last days of David." So the Bible is putting the chronological face that when David is dying. This is what is leaving behind. Hello? 
and he begins highlighting them. Man, when you read that portion of scripture, it will bless your heart. These guys who are so tough, so mighty, the same guys who are in debt, in this time, they have become big guys. One guy kills 800 people single-handedly. Single-handedly. If you want to try that, take four men against you out here and you will see the difference. This man kills 800. Then there's another one who kills, I think, 300 people with a single sword. The Bible says, until the sword stuck on his hand. When the military arrived, he had finished the job. They only came to take the loot. It's, isn't that portion of scripture? Yani he has finished the job that the military was coming to do. He has gone to Kishmayu in, in, in Somali and killed Al-Shabaab such that when the military arrives, they only take the charcoal and other things. Okay. And then I like this, another three guys. Those are the ones who bless my heart a lot. Uh, and they're not even given the names. Those three guys did this. You read that. The mighty man. One day David is speaking as a little guy, just speaking on himself, to himself, and says, how my heart desires the water of Bethlehem. Okay? Just the way I decide the water of Nairobi when I was out, outside the country. There's a way that the water of Nairobi makes tea. That the tea tastes differently. I'm serious. So David desires the water of Bethlehem. And he's speaking to himself. He's not telling he how my heart thirsts for the water of Bethlehem. And these three guys, he has their boss. And the Bible says they woke up and broke through the ranks of the Philistines. And remember, these guys were in a cocoon hiding from the Philistines who had taken over Bethlehem. In other words, between them and Bethlehem, there was an army. Hello? But these three guys broke through. It doesn't say they went around. They broke through the ranks. I tend to think they just took the swords and hammered those guys and made away and went. And got water and came back and hammered their way through and brought their bosses. David, did you want the water? Just the water from... Here is the water. And David says, my heart will not take this. It was your blood that you risked. Mighty man. From guys in debt, in distress, guys can break through a rank. He was a giant builder. He will take guys and mold them, and mold them, and mold them. And I gave you... Um, I don't know why God just wants me to repeat this thing since Sunday. That in life, God will bring you people. The Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters and after many days it will come back to you. When God wants to promote you in life, he brings you people with scars. People bleeding. Have spiritual eyes. Have spiritual eyes. Is God telling you? Because God works the reverse of human mentality. Okay? In the world, they will say, only look for the strong. Hurting people hurt others, so avoid them. No, in the spirit, we say, hurting people, make them your friends. Those guys are loyal. When you help someone, it becomes loyal. And I gave you a testimony of my life, brothers, yesterday, for those who are not here. My boss had just this habit of dumping guys in my office from the university. At a certain point, 
I had six of those guys and I had five st staff reporting to me. Oh, well, the staff is easy to manage because we'll hire those who are experienced. But when you get in dance, my brother, is double your work. And so one day I went to my boss and told him in Mombasa, say, sir, please stop giving me this in dance. I have got too much work. He told me, exactly my point, Godfrey. That's why I'm bringing them to you. I've got too much work. <laughs> he wasn't getting my, I think he was just playing dumb. But the point is, since I knew that when God brings people along your way, you need to equip them. And they shouldn't be idle. So you have to get work for them and follow up and all that. So it's double work. Your staff whom you have hired, is just an email away. Because they know that there will be evaluation at the end of the, the year. Pegged on salary. So there's a motivation for them to obey you. These guys are in dance. They are green from Strathmore. And so I used to, you know. But one thing that God had taught me in my first job was to pour my heart to people. Brothers, when people come to you, don't be stingy with information. Don't be stingy with your skills. Tell them whatever, as, as long as they're willing to take it, pour them in their hearts. Pour them. Pour. Share your skills. Sit with them. Ask them to bring their laptops. Sit with them. Show them how to develop a software. Show them how to develop a questionnaire. Correct them. Take time. Brethren, that bread will come back to you. This morning, just I'm reminded this morning, I woke up and I had so much work. Uh, Pastor was sharing with you yesterday, uh, Omruti. Uh, I took up a new job, uh, the one I mentioned on Sunday here. Uh, so I took up a new job. and uh, So this guy wanted me to report next month. Uh, I mentioned the pulpit here about the job. And so, and I have taken other jobs along the way. So in other words, I'm, I'm, I'm striking to ensure that I finish all these other jobs prior to joining the World Bank guys. But this, this young man I've been mentoring, very smart guy, just came back from the University of Leeds. Keeps coming to my house, telling me, my brother, help me here. I want, I want you to help, help me. I want to grow. So this week, this young man is given some questionnaires by his church, Deliverance Church, to go and analyze. He has come from the University of Leeds. They expect him to know how to report, write a report and analyze a survey. So he doesn't know, you know. And so I helped him recently. So today, he sent me a draft report in the morning. And so when I woke up in the morning, the first thing I saw was that email. Among us all, say, my brother Godfrey, help me review this report. He's a, I, I clicked on it. The thing is long. And I said, ah, of all the things that I have to do today, this one, no. This one, no. So I did some one or two, three emails, and then at around 10, I decided, amongst all the people who need help in my life is this young man. And so I sat, took one or two, two and a half hours, one and a half hours, read through, gave him comments, and forwarded him, and, and gave him guidance, called him back and gave him guidance. And he was so excited. He was so excited. But my point is this. That guy, this week, is begging. He's a young guy. Next month, two, three months, my daughter will be old enough. And that man will be a CEO. I'm telling you. And he will remember. There was a certain man, light skinned from Kitale. He helped me. <laughs> so, please bring people up.
When you are a boss, learn to develop others. When they are weak, learn to bring them up. Mend them. Rebuke them. Guide them. Some of them send them home for suspension. But follow them up and bring them back. For the church, brothers, as I mentioned, this is for the church. If you want to see a church that is growing, you look at the kind of guys that come and sit at the back, the non-script guys. Hello? The church that is going places attracts guys called Kina Oti, Akina Shiko, Akina JMO. The guys without a very good direction, not well-dressed, without good jobs. I am not kidding, brethren. That's a church that is growing. Some with rasters. Sorry. I come from the village. I'm not saying rasta is bad. But brethren, if you want to see a church that is growing, don't look here. Cast your eyes at the back. They come and they are lost. They don't know whether to sit here or there. Tony jeans with earrings. Brethren, that is the church that is growing. Soon those guys within two years, with the word that we speak to them, they begin moving slowly. They begin moving slowly. They begin getting wives. They come and say, I got a little Kibarua pastor. Bless my Kibarua. Like that, soon they say, I am getting married. Can you help me with your car? We give them, their, we give them our car. Soon and soon they say, you know, they, we, they get children. Those guys are fiercely loyal to the church. They are fiercely loyal. But these other churches with the CEOs, with big cars, and speaking Queen's English, they have reached a plateau. Everyone there is looking at what's, what time is he going to finish. It is structured. It's structured. Service begins at 8, ends at 9. And everyone's talking about parking. Those churches have reached their limits. But for us, brethren, when those guys come here, let's impress them. Tell them we have a Bible study. When they're getting married, my brother, fuel your car. Fuel your car. Say, me, I'll give you my car. And I'll send you a driver. If you have got money, give them 100, 100 shillings. Give them 1,000 shillings as, as the Lord has blessed you. Those guys are fiercely loyal. They won't forget. Soon they come and come and come and come. All of a sudden, my brother, and the Lord is so strange. Five years in the kingdom is so long. The jobless guys down there, five years, I can assure you, they're in the church. Watch them. Watch them. As long as they're born again, they confess Christ, they come to church. Five years. Watch their parts. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. I have seen it in my life. I have seen it in the churches that I've attended. So as a church, brothers, let's embrace Kinaoti and Kinashiko. Soon they'll become Mr. Otieno. Okay? They'll become Mrs. So-and-so. The Oti has gone. The Otoyo has gone. They'll become Mr. So-and-so. Hallelujah. It seems like I've done two hours today. Okay. Okay, let's do the last point, right? Do you allow me to do the last point? Okay. All right, I'm feeling so like, okay. Anyway, another thing, a difference between Saul and David. 
is that one guy, as we said yesterday, esteemed personal strategy over the things of God. Saul esteemed personal strategy. He always wanted to improve on the things of God. The difference is David had spiritual understanding of things. One was carnal, one was spiritual. Same time, different perspectives. Brethren, just a little bit back. I just learned from, from what we are reading this week that actually in a deprived economy or a community or society, it's actually possible to live a righteous life. That you can have 7,000 who have not bowed their knees to the ball in every generation. Look at, 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 at Samuel. Eli's sons are corrupt and immoral. And these are the role models. But the guy chooses a different path. You will expect him to follow this path. Because the process of corruption, let me assure you, they are sweet. Getting money easily, it is good. It's easy. It's nice. Okay? That's why some people, when they're, when they're demoted from, from being a traffic policemen, they get a heart attack. Because it's easy to make wealth. And brethren, this one was meat. The best part of meat. And someone never went to eat it. Myself, today, I love meat. I drive from here all the way to Wiru to go look for Nyamachoma. Meat is nice. But someone chose otherwise. Brethren, look what Lord. Lord raised virgin girls in Sodom and Gomorrah. Isn't that a challenge? Of all the places, Lord's daughters were virgins. know why I went there. But David had spiritual understanding. Samuel had spiritual understanding. Let's see the difference. Let me show you a little different from scripture. Do me appreciate what I'm, I'm, appreciate what I'm talking about. Let's look at First Samuel 14. Uh, uh, 14. Uh, from 24. Okay. First Samuel 14, 24. All right, uh, I think we'll do quickly and then we skip some. Yeah, there we go. And the men of Israel, now this we're talking about Saul, were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under, under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening, before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. You know that story, right? Okay. Later on, his son, who didn't know about this instruction, tasted honey. Hello? And the Bible says, immediately the son tasted honey. His eyes were opened. Remember, they are fighting. His eyes were opened. I think we should read there. If, I don't know, if you can, if you can scroll down a bit, my brother, to where that talks about Jonathan taking, yes, yeah, there. And when the people had come in the woods, there was honey dripping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan 
had not had his father, father's church, I mean, his father charged the people with the oath. Therefore, he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his countenance brightened. He began seeing things that others were not seeing. Let's go on. Then one of the people said, your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. Are you seeing that? People are fighting and they are fasting. Who does that kind of strategy? Okay. See what Jonathan says. Blesses my heart a lot. But Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Look now. My countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. Okay. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of the enemy which they found. For now, will there not have been much greater slaughter among the Philistines? Let's stop there. It can be better summarized by Jonathan. If these people will have eaten that day, they'll have been great, great, they'll have finished their enemies. But the father, who was carnal, had stopped the people from eating because he was a man of strategy. He was a man of logic, a man of the flesh. How do we know that was a man of the flesh? Let me show you. Same thing. Let's go to verse eight, verses 18 and 20. Pay attention. 18 to 20. Okay. And Saul said to Ahijah, Ahijah is the priest. All right? Now that's the beginning of that story. He says, bring the ark of God here. For at that time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Let's continue. Now it happened, while Saul talked to the priest, that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Allah, ay, 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 ay. This man has brought the ark of the covenant to inquire of the Lord what they need to do the Philistines. And as he arrives, as he arrives the ark of God, the man of the flesh, he has the opposing military making noise and tell the priest, we don't need your prayers. Keep your ark. Let's do strategy first. I have got a deal to seal. Prayers can wait. Oh, man. Many of us are like that. We take the things of God to be second nature because we're people of the flesh. Keep your ark first. Ahijah, you have arrived, but I can hear too much noise. Let me go deal with them. I tend to believe in my heart that if that man will have listened from Ahijah, from the ark of, if they will have just prayed, God will have told him what to do. Remember what David did. David will go and ask the Lord, what shall I do? The Lord will tell him, David, now that's a spiritual man. Today, you don't need to do anything else. Go behind them, and when you arrive at the park, wait until you hear the marching on the mulberry trees. When you hear the marching, you know that I've broken forth. Then attack them. David will go and ask the Lord, what do we need to do? And he will be patient to hear. This guy is different. He says, with hold your hand, you're wasting our time. One is spiritual, one is flesh. 
I gave you that story on Sunday. David has become the king. And he's still in hiding in the land of Philistines. And he asks the Lord, Lord, now that I'm the king, Saul is dead, should I go to Israel? And the Lord tells him, yes. Okay? And the guy does not stop there. He goes to the Lord and asks him, and in which town shall I go? Ah, blesses my heart. And the Lord tells him, go to Hebron. Why not Jerusalem? Saul is dead. This guy is the king, and the state house is now empty. Why not go to state house? He tells him, go to Garissa. The Lord is wise. Because in Jerusalem, the remnants of, 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 of Saul were there. Ishibosheth had taken over power. And also that teaches me another lesson, brethren. Just let me divert a bit. Remember, we're talking about Hebron. David stays in Hebron for seven good years. As Ishibosheth tries his business, that side of being a counterfeit president. That is not easy. You need to be a spiritual man. To wait for seven years. When God had spoken to you. And everyone knows that you are. The Badafid president. And you are staying in Garissa. Not two years. Not three. Seven good years. You are growing old. And the counterfeit is sitting on the throne. Brethren, if it was me, I would take... I will take strategy and plan how to remove that guy. But David was patient. And the Bible says, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. And the house of David grew stronger and stronger. And all of a sudden, the strong guys from, from Benjamin began defecting. Actually, strangely, the people who have begun moving from this side, from Saul, are only the best. The Bible says those guys from Benjamin could shoot the arrow with both the left and the right. Mighty men of God. Not the weaklings. David has shown that he can mender strong people. So now strong people now, now depend on him. They know David is a strong man of war. So only the best one come on your side. When you raise the weak ones, as time goes by, God brings you the strong ones. So now you see He's a spiritual man. He does things differently. So, in Hebron, God tells him, go to Hebron. And um, just, just step a bit back. Brethren, that, is, that has been my theme for this year. That part, part of scripture. Last year when I was praying to God, I've always made this habit at the end of the year to just take some time and ask God about the next year. To get to hear his mind about next year. Just take some time and fasting and and, and praying. And God showed me something that was mind-boggling. That part of scripture. And I like asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, teach me how to pray. What should I pray for next year? Okay? What are the things that I should aspire for next year? Because in my carnal mind, I'll be so, I'll be shooting solo. So I don't want to shoot solo. Because I'll be like the way God told Solomon that you didn't ask for the head of your, of your enemy, 
but you ask for wisdom. Asking for wisdom is not everyone's business. You need to have been inspired to ask for wisdom and not your enemy when they're surrounding you. You'll begin asking for land and, and plots and you know what I'm talking about. So this year I told God, what shall I pray for? And God took me to this scripture. You know the Holy Spirit told me? In the next year, my son, ask for God's strategy. Ask for exact strategy. Ask for exact strategy. Hello? Let that be our prayer this year. That we'll ask God for extract, exact strategy. That when you walk in, in a building, it's at the right time. When you do a certain business, when you end a business, it's at the, at the right timing. People are saying, this is not the right time to invest in stocks. And that's when you're stepping in. And then and the next day, the market just goes, <laughs> right strategy. Sister, you walk in church that day for the first service, and that's when the brother comes in for the very first day. The one you have been praying for. Exact strategy. May the Lord give us that mind of David to ask for exact strategy that you may grow and be profitable in Christ Jesus. Shall we stand up and pray? Father, we, we we call on your name. Father, we call on your name. Lord Jesus, we call on your name. That we may be saved. Please save us, Holy One of Israel. Holy Spirit of God, we worship you. We worship you, Holy Spirit of God. We love you, Holy Spirit of God, our friend, our intercessor, our helper. We love you, Holy Spirit of God. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Lord, wash us. Wash us, Lord, this day. Forgive us of personal strategy, of carnality. Holy Spirit of God, Holy Spirit of God, we worship you. Mm. Worship you. Mm. Worship you, Holy Spirit of God. Mm. Father, you are excellent. You are excellent. Excellent is your name. You are wonderful in our midst. You are awesome in our midst, oh Lord. And we worship you. And we worship you. We worship you, Holy One of Israel.
Son of God. Our hearts cry to you, Son of God. You will never be the same again. For we are transformed tonight by the renewing of our minds.